This is episode number 179 with Kylie Macbeth and Mark Groves. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? I just wanted to quickly remind you that if you haven't already, make sure you hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app. Mine is Himalaya. For those of you that have not heard of Himalaya, it's an epic brand new podcast app, which has so many awesome and unique features no other podcast app has, like episode and channel playlists. It's free, so easy to find new shows, and is really user-friendly. So head on over to the app or Google Play Store to download it today. Don't forget to follow me once you're done so that you can listen to my episodes one day earlier than they're usually released. Pretty cool, huh? This episode is brought to you by B-School, which is an epic online business program created by my biz mentor, Marie Folio. Now, B-School is only open once a year, and that time is right now. Now, I first did B-School back in 2012, and it was the program that catapulted my business. It gave me all the tools I needed to launch my dream career. And for those of you that have never heard of Marie, she is a crazy successful entrepreneur, author, and the host of the award-winning show, Marie TV. And she has literally created the business and life of her dreams. And now she wants to help you do the same, just like she did with me. Now, Marie knows her stuff about how to create a thriving business and life. And even Oprah has called her a thought leader for the next generation. How cool is that? Without doubt, Marie is one of the reasons that I am where I am today with the business that I now have. It all started with her as my mentor many moons ago. So if you want your dream business, if you have an idea or if you have a few ideas, or even if you want to take your already existing business to the next level, check out B-School and my epic bonuses that you get when you sign up using my link. All you have to do is head to melissarambrosini.com forward slash B-School to check it out and get your hands on my epic bonuses, which are my business bootcamp program, my powerful Mastering Your Mean Girl Meditations, and a live webinar with Nick and I where we will be taking you behind the scenes on all the inner workings of my business. We will not be holding back and we'll answer all of your questions. So if you're ready to take your business to the next level, then head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash bschool to get all the details. After Mark and Kylie both went through separate breakdowns turned breakthroughs in major relationships in their lives, 
They have made it their mission to understand and teach people how to really connect. Through their own personal work, they have found each other. And through their relationship together, they continue to live what it takes to have a thriving and fulfilling relationship, not only with one another, but also themselves individually. Now, Kylie is the co-founder and CEO of Zura Health, a certified health coach, emotional expert, co-host of the Zura Health podcast, and speaker and writer. She is a multi-passionate creative being whose mission on this planet is to empower others with the tools, support, wisdom, and resources they need to live happy, healthy, and fulfilling lives. Now, Mark is a human connection specialist, an emotional translator, writer, speaker, and coach. He has always wondered what separated people with amazing relationships from those who had average ones. Why did some relationships maintain bliss for a lifetime and others, not so much? Why did some people have the ability to lead thousands and others couldn't even lead themselves? Mark set out to discover the secrets of those who thrive in love and life so he could become one. His search became his life, and he lives everything he learns and writes about. From what Mark has seen and experienced, how we connect with others will be the single greatest predictor of success in every facet of our lives. Through his work, Mark helps people understand their emotional matrix and how to master themselves and their world. His clients range from individuals and couples to businesses and leaders. He takes what you think you want, finds out what you really want, and gives you the tools to achieve your goals. And in today's episode, we chat about their epic love story and how they met on Instagram, how they move through those challenging times, how to move past codependency, how to support each other whilst you go through your own individual growth spurts, the power of sisterhood, how they live and work together, the importance of boundaries, what is a needs check-in and why you need to implement this into your life, the top three tips for a thriving relationship, why connection, intimacy, and soulful sex is so imperative for your relationship and growth, why what happens in the bedroom is a direct reflection of your relationship, how understanding the masculine and feminine is so important, plus so much more. And for everything that we mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, and that is over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 179. But before we dive into today's juicy conversation, I want to read the review of the week. And this review comes from Lucy Nixon, and it's five stars, and it is titled Absolute Community Changer. And she says, Melissa, I'm from a small country town and the messages you preach are changing my community one step at a time. 
all the people I interact with are more grateful, more educated regarding food choices and are genuinely looking after themselves. Thank you for allowing a platform to share such life-changing and powerful messages. Lucy. Thank you so much, Lucy, for sharing that and for that beautiful review. I'm so grateful and I'm so glad that this is affecting your community so much. Thank you for that beautiful review. I'm so grateful. I'm a bit emotional after that one. And if you want to be the review of the week for next week, make sure you head on over to iTunes and leave me that review right now. And without further ado, let's get this Relationship Goals episode started with the amazing Kylie Macbeth and Mark Groves. Kylie and Mark, welcome to the show. I'm so excited for this conversation. But before we dive in, can you please tell us what you both individually had for breakfast this morning? Oh my gosh, I wasn't ready for that one. <laughs> I had a, a hot cacao this morning. And I had a bulletproof coffee. I usually fast. I don't, so breakfast is not my jam. Coffee is my jam, I suppose. Mmm, sounds good. Cacao and coffee, yum. The smell of coffee is like one of the best smells I think there is. I don't drink it, but the smell, oh my gosh. It really so does good. get the nervous system revved up. It's I like, feel like go. there's, yeah, there's something... <laughs> ritualistic about it you know especially in australia let's be honest you guys have proper coffee as our friends call it yeah. in australia yeah. oh guys i am so pumped to have this time with you and i love a good juicy love story so can you take us back to how you guys met where did the story of kylie and mark all begin oh man it actually began on instagram which i think is like the new tinder in some way. <laughs> Kylie and I followed, well, I followed her. She has an identical twin sister. I was following her twin and her. And I think her twin and I started following each other first. And this was like back when I first started on Instagram. And I was writing about, I started writing about relationships on, on there. And then Kylie was going through a breakup and maybe had been reading. She doesn't openly admit that she was consuming my content. <laughs> she pretends like, oh, I actually didn't really. I just followed you nonchalantly. Well, you're post-breakup, well, actually post-divorce, and you're, you're like, create the love. You're like, I don't want anything to do with love. So I think there's some validity in my my truth there. <laughs> well, just for people listening, the username on my Instagram is create the love. That's what she means by that. But yeah, so one day I was just hanging out, reading my Instagram feed, which I actually don't do very often. And I saw a post from her. And I clicked on it and I went to her blog and I read her words and I was like, holy, this woman is brilliant. And so I wrote her a message. I slid in a DM, as yeah, they say. He sure did. And it's funny, the backstory that even before him oh, yeah. sliding into the DM was about 12 hours prior, I wrote in my journal, I was like, okay, I'm ready to open my heart again and I'm ready to receive love and really create this next partnership, this conscious because I definitely wasn't, at least in my experience, conscious in the first few. So when I got the message from him, I was like over the moon, like, oh my gosh, synchronicity, magic, like this is <laughs> unbelievable. And I loved his work in the world. And I was like, wow, this is going to be interesting because this is somebody who can meet me in so many new places. So I responded and was like, yes, I love your work. I would love to connect. And it was like the nicest Mark, Mark, Mark. <laughs> it was honestly like the best reply 
a man or a woman could ever get to a vulnerable slide in the DM. It was like, I always knew we'd connect beyond the like button. Totally I remember that, that. And I was like, crushing. <laughs> I actually wrote back and I was like, well, that's pretty much the best reply anyone could have. And that was just sort of the beginning. It yeah. was really a, a good way to begin. Yeah. And then I flew to Vancouver for a 36 hour test run just to yeah. see if our energies felt good together in alignment. And really the rest is history. Yeah, I knew better than to do longer. We both knew better than to do longer than a couple, you know, like a day, you know, because we're like, what if we don't like each other? We better just cut this short so we don't have to do that awkward extra couple of days where you're like, mm, I should have left, you know? Yeah. So, but we had the first day in a bit and then I flew out to see her a week and a half later. Yeah. That was it. And how long ago was this? Almost three years. It'll be three years since I slid in the D the, the DM anniversary will be <laughs> at the beginning of December, December, December yeah. 12th or something, yeah. 13th. Yeah. We oh, that is so beautiful, guys. So beautiful. And so one thing about having a relationship that is in the public eye, it's very easy for people to look at you guys, put you on this pedestal, hashtag relationship goals. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, let's face it, we all face the same challenges. So, and a lot of people think, you know, they look at me and my husband and they probably look at you guys as well and think, oh, it's all rainbows and butterflies and their <laughs> relationship is quote unquote perfect. So can you just tell us about some of the things that you have worked through and the fact that it isn't always rainbows and butterflies and unicorns? Mm. Such a great question. And yeah, I, I'm all about normalizing relationships and removing ourselves from that pedestal by sharing openly and authentically about our own relationship struggles. Some of the biggest ones definitely in the beginning was coming out of a, for me, traumatic breakup or divorce was I was extremely avoidant. And my attachments, yes, you were. My attachment you style. I was were. like, all right. Just as soon as I get a little taste of that intimacy, I'm like, I want to run <laughs> the heck away. And I had no clue what attachment styles were until I met Mark. And Mark, of course, was like, you need to read this book. And I was like, I don't really need to read this. Book. <laughs> she actually avoided reading the book. That was the whole <laughs> irony of it. Totally. And then I finally did end up reading the book, and I was like, wow, this is <laughs> fascinating because I've definitely been avoiding emotional intimacy and deepening of this connection because I was afraid of what potentially does happen when I move into relationships. Historically, I lost myself in relationships. So I let myself go. I let all of my desires, my dreams, my goals go in order to maintain the connection. So kind of a codependent relationship style I had prior. So I was really trying to navigate what that looked like in this new relationship because I knew I could never let myself go again because I I just couldn't, uh, that that's just was a, a mandatory for me. So I think really finding the balance between my boundaries and being able to voice my emotional needs has been, oh my gosh, I would say a struggle at first because I didn't have the language and I would like bulldoze you and be like, all right, I'm out. And you're like, um, okay, yeah. there's a different way to handle this. I remember on our second date, maybe it was like our third day, we went for a hike. And I said to her, what do you need in a relationship? And she was like, Beyonce. She's like, I don't need anything. And I was like, okay, calm down there, Queen Bee. Like, and I was like, oh no. Like I could sense what was going on there. But I, 
you know, part of my work on that side, because of course we attract people and as you and your husband well know, the conflicts and the challenges that we have in relationship are really just opportunities to get closer and to move through our own stuff or else they wouldn't be challenging. Mm. And so, you know, really this was the first time that I was met and willing and all those things to move through stuff that I had plateaued at as well. You know, so her avoidance, her like sort of withdrawing and fear of getting close normally would have triggered me to chase and to like get anxious and to want to over text and over communicate and, and get sort of scarce in my behavior. And instead, what I really practiced was this, I would just ask myself before I made any decision in communication in the early phase, like if I was enough, what would I do in this moment? And it would often mean that I wouldn't message her, or I wouldn't, or I would express that something was hurting me or not okay. And it just taught me to stand still, which, you know, I realized that if someone's running from you or someone's avoiding or scared, they can't step towards you if they don't have space to step into. And so I really learned, and that was such a growth thing for me, was to trust that I was worthy of being stepped towards. Mm -hmm. So it was sort of like me stepping off a cliff and inviting her into that space. And, and she chose to step into it, which was really beautiful. But, you know, and that was another, you know, you asked at the beginning, like being held in that sort of idea or idealized relationship is we make very certain, or at least we try to, really kick ourselves off that pedestal because I never want someone, that's why I write and we both write about our own struggles because we want people to see that like, this wasn't just, we didn't just fall into each other and it's like perfect Disney story. It was like, it's a constant story. It's a constant evolving. It's a constant expanding. We're not done the work. No. <laughs> Trust us on that. You know, it's continued at least, you know, yeah. I don't want to speak for her, but <laughs> for me, it's, it's certainly been layer after layer of my own personal growth through her and with her and separate from her and all that. Yeah. I often say our partners are our biggest mirrors. They're our biggest teachers and spiritual assignments. And so often I see relationships fall apart and break down. Like I think, what is it? One in two marriages and relationships break down now. Like mm. the statistics are through the roof. The divorce rate is through the roof. And I feel like it's because a lot of people don't have the awareness and the tools. And I really want to get into some of the tools that you guys use to work through your challenges. But the realization that the work never ends. <laughs> no, like never. Everyone listening, like I want you to get that. The work on yourself never ends. The work on your relationship never ends. So get over okay, I've done this Tony Robbins seminar on relationships and now I'm healed and I don't need to work <laughs> yeah, on myself right. again. Like, it's like the work never ends. And, you know, when I married my husband, that's what I signed up for. Mm. I signed up for continuously doing the work on myself. So there's three entities in a relationship. There's, there's the work that I need to do on me. So there's me, there's him, and then there's our relationship. And so I need to take responsibility for how I'm showing up and my needs and, and you know, my wounds that need healing. And he needs to do the same. And then we need to together co-create and work on our relationship together. So when I say relationships take work, it's not like it's like, oh, it takes work. Like, it's like, 
it's like anything, you know, if you want a plant to grow and thrive, you've got to water it. You've got to give it energy and the right amount of sunlight and, you know, tend to the soil. And that's the same as the relationship. You know, the grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. (laughs) And the more that you give to it, the more it's going to flourish. And I've found for me in this relationship, the more I do the work on myself, the more my relationship grows. Mm. And it just really makes me, it pulls on my heartstrings, you know, that people just give up so easily Mm -hmm. when all they really need to do is look in the mirror and take responsibility and go, okay, well, how am I showing up here? Mm. You know, where am I being codependent? And I want to talk about codependency a little bit here. So can you kind of, you know, chat to us about has that been the case for you in past relationships and and how does that play out in your relationship now and how can we move through, you know, if for someone listening who may think, oh my gosh, I'm totally in a codependent relationship, like <laughs> what can they do? Well, I think first up, most old models of relationship, if not all, are codependent. You know, patriarchy itself is a codependent model. One person takes care of the other. The other one is taking care. You know, there's a giving up of self. And that could be true of both partners. You know, I'm speaking in a heteronormative sense, but the male partner would give up, you know, some sense his dreams and do a job that paid for rent and all those things. And I'm generalizing. And for women, you know, they gave up their own desires and dreams to take care of the family. And for some people, that is their dream. So that's a beautiful thing. But so the what we've inherited or learned, because there's no relationship education at school, for the most part, 99.9% of schools. And so what we learn is what we observe. So most of our relationship patterns are, if not all of them, are inherited. And how we communicate is inherited. So when we go with, I'd never want to become like my parents, we inevitably either become exactly like them or we become very opposite, which is not a healthy place either. So I think it's just important to normalize that, you know, it's not our fault that we have these relationship patterns, but it is our responsibility what we do with them. And so I, you know, for me, I certainly on some level had codependent patterns where I would overgive over, I had poor boundaries. I was a doormat. You know, I just got to lay down and get walked on, felt the pain of heels on my forehead, I'm sure, too many times and not in a good sexual way, in a painful way. <laughs> so that for me, I can definitely say I did. What about you, Kat? Yeah, my previous relationships, they definitely, I would call them codependent. And a lot of that was my lack of self-worth and my own ability to stand on my own two feet and be able to create financial abundance for myself and believe that I was actually capable of creating that since I hadn't seen it modeled in my family system in generations to come. Like some of the messages my mom was even sent from her father was women stay home. They cook, they have kids, that's what they do. And so the limited roles, the gender roles, have definitely created this dynamic of, I guess, lack of self-worth and also a lack of potentially knowing our capacity to move into an interdependent relationship where we do have boundaries, where it's okay and it's safe to own our core values and our standards and our non-negotiables and really then stand for that in the relationship. Like you can Mm -hmm. also have your core values and be met and be met in relationship without having to give up who you are in that relationship in order to keep the relationship. So A lot of that is, like you mentioned, 
earlier is the awareness piece of really being able to tune into what your truth is and what your core values are and what you stand for and what you desire and your intentions in relationship outside of what has been modeled and what society has told you. And I want to add to that the idea that you have to take responsibility for what is your stuff though. Yeah. Like you can look at what you were modeled and all those things and what you want and what your truth is. But often what can get lost in that is also what are you responsible for that you're not good at? And I think like for Kai and I, one of the core tenets of our relationship is growth, like individual growth. And then separately from that, sort of one of the core values is psychological safety, that we have safety and security to be wrong, to make mistakes, to have redos, to not be good at things, but to also have the curiosity and humility, man, which that really digs into the old masculine self-worth. Let me tell you, ego is like, "Ah, what do you mean? I'm not, I'm being reactive, (laughs) you know, and I get defensive about being defensive. And so it's really, for me, it's been like, a real, my core being okay that I have stuff to work on Mm. and that my partner is beautifully delivering it rather than in a very critical way. Yeah. And that Mm. really allows me to lay my weapons down because her weapons are really never up, which is a really, it's a, it's a beautiful container. Mm. Yeah. To be loved in that way. And I know that at least, you know, a, a lot of the discussion we've had about what we learn in our relationship from that codependent space, the healing of it, yeah. is how do we individually come up with our dreams and what we desire, but hold on. So we hold on to who we are so that we are, like you said, two separate entities, but that we are contributing to what the relationship is, which is separate. And you know that really goes from the old model of relationship, which you hear many people say, my relationship isn't giving me what I need. And the real question there is, what does my relationship need from me to feel that way? And so we're actually looking at it as this separate entity that we're making deposits in and that we're feeding and nourishing. And of course, you have to nourish yourself to do that. So it's this constant balance of recognizing where your boundaries are, losing yourself so you can put a boundary in there, and then actually even maybe being overtly selfish and being called out on that by your partner. Because that's that balance. You don't know what your boundaries are if you don't step out of them. You don't know what your values are, your integrity are, if you don't step out of them. Yeah, it's a messy process. It's not something that's just like, oh, I read a book oh, on yeah. it and it's all fixed. And because it's it's old, you know, it's archaic. It's the 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 patterns are ingrained and deeply ingrained. And so, yeah, it's definitely a process. But to know that your partner can meet you in that space is definitely something that I think is necessary in in cultivating and healing these patterns of codependence. Is your partner also has to be willing to do the work? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. like that's a non negotiable. Yeah, you know that like. If growth is not a priority, which I think is so, you know, if we were to say that to people 10 years ago, 15 yeah. years ago, 20 years ago, who got married when they're 19 and 20, you know, like make growth your number one priority. They'll be like, I just learned that you're supposed to get married to someone you meet when you're 20. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, like that's the cultural messages around relationships are and societal and religious. All of them shape so much of the partner of who we choose, what we value till we lose ourselves. And then we go, what the hell was I choosing this from? And Who I think, was that? yeah. And then even the idea of breaking up, you know, I talk often about that we make relationship length more important than relationship quality. You know, we celebrate anniversaries, but we don't celebrate the depth of a relationship. And, you know, certainly length is one measure of success, but it is not the best one. That's for sure. I, there's people who've been married mm. 75 years who hate each other, you know, and that's mm, totally. And I think as young people, we really value 
beautiful things. And, you know, I don't mean to be an ageist, <laughs> but because I'm sure there's, you know, like plenty of people in their 80s, 90s, you know, who value really beautiful relationships and really deep connection. And I think as a generation or generations, we are moving and creating something totally new and radical where we find self-actualization through our partner as opposed to meeting our lowest needs through mm. relationship. We're now actually finding our highest self through relationship. Mm, I love that so much. Have you guys found in your journey together that maybe one of you is going through a really big growth spurt and the other one is there to hold space and then the roles are reversed? Like we've found, you know, Nick and I have been married for five years and we've over that five years when I was reflecting back, we just had our anniversary. I was reflecting back and there's been periods where I've gone through a really big growth spurt and he's been my rock and held space for me. And then the roles have been reversed. And I'm just, you know, we were, we were laughing about it. We're like, oh gosh, I hope there's a time where we're both not you know, going through these massive growth spurts because who's going <laughs> to hold space for us? But I'm curious, like, has that yeah. kind of played out for you guys? And I know as well, you know, there's been times when Nick's been going through a really challenging time and a growth spurt and it's really hard on the person who's holding space. Like, it's really hard to hold space for for your beloved, even, you know, when they're going through those challenging times. But I'm curious, like, have you guys found that within your partnership? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. It's it's definitely been something Mark and I have experienced as well, where I'm going through a giant growth spurt, healing a lot of old stuff that's coming up and just needing to be seen and and really held. And then there's definitely been certainly times when Mark has also been going through those <laughs> growth <you>. spurts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but you're right. It, it, and you know what? Something that came up when you were telling that story, and I think that has been so beneficial in also, I guess, the depth of connection we have is, for me at least, is not only the, the ability for Mark to hold that space, but for me to mm -hmm. also lean into sisterhood. And that has actually been Oh my gosh. Cause I didn't have sisterhood before I have sisters, but we didn't really share the depth to which I now share with my female friends. And sometimes I think that can even be more helpful and beneficial to the relationship, at least in my experience to have this, mm -hmm. this friend or this girlfriend be able to hold space for me. So I can just express all the emotional stuff that's coming up that maybe you know, doesn't uh, need to be on Mark's shoulders <laughs> all the we, time. We laughed about this the other day. I was like, you know, sometimes I just don't want to talk. And she's like, sometimes I don't want to talk. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. And I think that she put that so beautifully. Like I can go to my guy friends or girl, you know, friends who are female and find support in a way where she's not shouldering everything. But at the same time, I feel like exactly what you said, you know, that we are, we sort of play leapfrog. You know, like yeah. one's grown and invited mm. the other to meet them. And then the other grows and invites. And it's been actually, I'm always getting emotional thinking about this because it's been this beautiful experience of being called forward by my partner. And that, oh, that's been amazing. I went through a pretty emotional time in January, February, and I actually didn't even know why I was emotional. I would just get emotional. And one thing that I just kept coming back to, because, you know, it, it sort of felt like it was threatening the stability of our relationship. And I would just mention, like, I'm not going anywhere. I just have no idea what's going on right now with me. Chaotically, I feel like 
I'm going through some expansion, but there's some like really old grief that's moving through me that I didn't, I couldn't label or name. I would just actually get teary and sad and cry. And then I'm like, I don't even know why I'm crying. <laughs> I think I actually understand what it's like to be a woman on a period for the oh, first gosh. time. <laughs> but but yeah, the ownership of that. That's what I was going to say. It's like the fact that you can express that and practice what I call crystal clear communication and express that and then feel safe enough to not have her run in the other direction or you know, have, in my case, my, my husband run in the other direction, like to actually feel really held and safe whilst you go through these growth spurts. And I love the analogy of leapfrog because that is exactly what my husband and I do. And it's almost like, yeah, one year I'm going through something, the next year he's going through something. And, you know, it's, it doesn't have to be so traumatic. And I just wanted to touch on what Kylie said about the sisterhood, because mm. I think us women, especially, we put a lot of pressure on our men to be our business coach, our spiritual coach, our stylist, our best friend, you know, and yeah. we, we, we love them so much that we want to confide in them for everything. But what I have learned is that that is not healthy for your, re your relationship. And first and foremost, like Nick is my business partner as well as my lover, but first he is my lover. Mm. And that, that comes before he is, yes, the best business partner I could have ever wanted in my life, but he's my lover first and that matters most mm. to me. And so I make sure that I have, yes, sisters that I go to, that I can confide in, that I can share with. I also have coaches, spiritual coaches. <laughs> I have a psychotherapist that I can talk to. Yeah, we got a team that needs to manage over right? there. Yeah. I love it. Totally. You've got to have that toolkit to yeah. be able to, you know, go to other people and really feel supported. But I'm curious to know, like, you guys live and work together as well. So, how do you make that work? We've spoken a little bit about boundaries. So let's talk about how you guys make that work because my husband and I live and work together as well and we've got some boundaries that we've had to put in place. But what are your boundaries and how do you guys make that flow? Well, we live and we're blessed to have, you know, we don't live in New York, so we're blessed to have a little more space than probably, you know, a couple who lives in a small apartment. We did used to live in a small apartment and it was like, I think we needed another bedroom, <laughs> which was Kai's boundary. She's yeah. like, I love you and I need my own space for my work. So we do each have our own separate office spaces that are separate of each other that we pretty much don't see each other during the day. We're often out doing our own thing. So I think one of the main parts is we also are open to that space of like, Hey, I actually need time to myself and I'm going to go for, she goes for walks by herself all the time and is very clear that they are by herself, which I love. You know, I actually really love and admire when she speaks in that very powerful space of what she needs, where I don't have to fix it. I don't have to think about it. You know, I'm happy to do that if she needs it. But I actually love when she's like, I just need some time to me. I'm going to go hang out with blah, blah, blah. I'm going to go to, you know, Pilates or yoga or whatever. And I'm like, Okay, cool. And that invites me to do the same, which is really great because it is easy for me to also give myself away in relationship. And that's always been my constant work is like deciding that she won't want me to do something when I haven't even given her that choice. I've just felt resentful for no reason. And then, yeah. you know, so really prioritizing my own health, my own fitness and, and taking that time to me too. Yeah. It wasn't always like that though. 
I must say we started with, because at first I was afraid to even communicate my needs in our relationship because one, I didn't even have the language like you talk about. There's so much importance to really having this functional language to communicate because if we don't have the language, we can't even express it. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was learning the tools and language around being able to communicate my needs and then asking Mark, okay, what do I need in order to feel safe to express my needs? And so we we implemented what we call the needs check-in. So it was just like, hey, how are you doing? Like, what are your needs? Like, how can we meet those needs for yourself? And also together, what can I do to support you in meeting those needs? So there was a lot of safety around this conversation for us up front because, well, it came out of probably the bulldozing and that that strategy not working anymore. But yeah, you, know, like, the, you can ask for your need. You don't have to just tell me it's happening. Like, you yeah. can give me a choice right. in what's happening in our schedule and what you need. Yeah, and if there's insecurity, I think that's an important thing that, Mark and I are very open about anything that comes up, like maybe old stories or old wounds that might come up in, in that person going in their own direction and feeling really strong. And it's like, well, this is bringing something up in me. I just need to express it so I can move through it and still know that I'm safe, I'm being met, and he's here, right? And so there's obviously a lot of layers in this conversation, but I think the more we've been able to feel really safe and owning what it is that we need in order to be our best selves and be respected in that it's created a lot more freedom in our yeah, relationship. It's definitely being a, a practice of learning yeah. like what's the right way to ask what causes non-confrontation mm-hmm. what you know our language is very much has been a dance of oh you know when you said that that didn't work for me or that felt you know like you were just you know being selfish or whatever it is <laughs> that it might be but being able to then you know <laughs> I, I said something last night I was like, did I say that wrong? And she was like, yes, yes, you did. And I was like, <laughs> okay, how could I have said it better? And she, we talked it through and, yeah. you know, and, and then there's sort of like a reconnecting. And I think what's different than all of my previous relationships for the most part, and if they're listening, I love all of you. Thank you for teaching me is that, and I wish I could have done these things before <laughs> is that where I have formerly had conflict, I now continue to have connection rather than disconnection. So where I might have turned away or shut down or gotten defensive, I now am learning and continue to learn because it's a continued practice, how to build a bridge instead Mm. of a wall. Mm. I love the idea of the needs check-in. I think that's a really beautiful (laughs) thing. It's been fun. My husband and I do a love bubble. So, you know, I'll say to him. I love that term. Yeah. Well, and and what happens is this love bubble, like you literally, (laughs) it's just you two and you visualize yourselves like in this safe bubble. And we usually do it at nighttime. And I might say to him, we don't do it every night. We had the intention of at the start when we were first implementing it to do it every night, but we didn't. And so now it's more just, I would really love a love bubble with you tonight. And he's like, yep, cool. So we'll Mm -hmm. get into bed a bit earlier and we hold hands. And this is when we both get to express without interrupting each other. So I'll speak and he does not talk until I have said I'm finished. And I get to express whatever I need to express. And then he gets to express whatever he needs to express. And it's in this safe bubble. And so this idea of this love bubble actually came from my psychotherapist. And she's amazing and 20-year Vedic meditation teacher and meditator. And she's just amazing. And she was like, you know, try this. And we've been doing it the past couple of months and it's been really beautiful. So maybe we'll add in a little needs check in there as well. (laughs) But I would love to hear, you know, what are your top three tips on how to have a thriving relationship? 
Well, the first thing I'm going to add as a caveat is don't worry about agreeing on the tips because we might, <laughs> I don't know that we're going to come up with the same thing. What, what do you think your first would be, babe? Honesty. I think being able to turn towards where you usually have retreated or withdrawn or mm. shut down or not move towards conflict or confrontation or just a scary conversation that you get really honest with that and move towards it. I love what, is it? John Gottman, the low negativity threshold. Mm -hmm. And I love this concept of we don't let negativity build in our relationship. We don't let resentment and, you know, tuck unresolved conflicts underneath the rug. We turn towards that stuff pretty quick, which allows us to metabolize it and create more emotional intimacy and safety. So I'd say that, you know, honesty and moving towards. And I think the constant demeanor or positioning of curiosity, that mm -hmm. for me, and I think for us, is being like when I'm triggered, when I'm scared, when I don't get it, when I'm upset with something Kai's done or anything, that I invite curiosity first. Like I want to get more information rather than just make a snap judgment, rather than get reactive. I really recognize that all of my triggers are just invitations for healing that they're all just really asking for old stuff to be understood and, and to learn a new skill set, to learn mastery. I clearly haven't mastered something if I'm triggered. And so that has been a really to become the observer rather than the, you know, in first person there that I'm actually like really being honest and critical with my own behavior. Mm. Yeah, that, I, and to follow up, responsibility. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. Responsibility for self and then also really being mindful of, you know, I, you and then we like how am i showing up to this relationship what does this relationship need for me in order to move it forward in the direction that we desire yeah i love that honesty curiosity and responsibility that's really beautiful thank you for sharing okay so let's talk about connection intimacy soulful sex like how important is that for you guys in your relationship and how has that evolved man that's a good question yeah. I think because, you know, I think where there's the first part where you're like, can't wait to hump all the time. No, I can use the word hump. That's not a conscious <laughs> experience, supposedly. Where there's that deep connection, I think that, or where it was maybe more discovery and more primal versus now more connected and more depth and like really where the intimacy and the sex is a dance and a no, like a getting to know on a much deeper level and feeling each other. Mm. What about for people who say, oh, you know, sex isn't that important. It's not that important. You know, we, we, we hang out, we're friends. Like, you know, what is your advice for someone who's like, no, I, yeah, it's not that important for us. Whew. Well, <laughs> I mean, I think what shows up in the bedroom is just, uh, you know, a big know. sign to how the whole relationship as a whole is going. Now, don't get me wrong. There's obviously drivers and stress and other details involved in this, but to really create that safe container so that you can be met from, you know, in that intimate and deeply connective experience, which is sex is, is such a, gosh, I mean, so also such a container for learning and mm, showing yeah. more vulnerability and really exploring and getting curious about what, where you can go in that space and how deep you can take it. You know, what I've learned a lot in this relationship is, well, of course, you know, what Kai said, that sex is really a magnifying glass. You know, what's going on in the bed is 
really usually a magnifying glass to what's going on or not going on in the relationship. And sometimes we can find safety and intimate connection where we don't feel emotionally safe. It can actually be the place we go to feel loved and accepted, even though we actually don't feel, you know, it's like a short term dopamine hit to an orgasm. And all of a sudden you feel loved, even though as soon as that orgasm is over or that intimacy, you go back to your sort of crash and and the disconnection. One thing I've really had a beautiful experience of learning in this is really coming back to how deeply sensitive and emotional sex actually has always been for me. But I disconnected from it when I went through a breakup when I was 19. And I, you know, I was so connected to my heart before then. And when I went through that breakup, I really made sex and connection, a place where I found short-term connection. And I found affirmation as a man that I was wanted, that I was desired. And I didn't want people to get too close. I didn't really recognize that for the most part till I, you know, till years later. But in this relationship, I recognized that when I don't feel emotionally connected, I actually formally would have still wanted to have sex. And now when I don't feel emotionally connected or safe, I can recognize that that shows up in my desire. And as a man, I was never taught that message that your heart is really connected mm. to that intimate part. And I, I haven't really talked about that much, probably because I'd been so much more processing it. And, you know, in January and February, I was crying more. So I <laughs> haven't had the chance to talk about yeah. it. But I really want to share that because that as a man was not a message. I was taught that your heart is, is so directly, literally connected to your genital area, but also so much connected from a like, am I safe? Am I loved? And, and do I feel okay? Yeah. Do I feel safe in this? There's so much healing that happens in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, thank you for sharing that. That was beautiful. But this, like, even for me where sex historically was just, you know, <laughs> I guess just a duty, if you will. I know it's sad to say, but there was no, Hey, what feels good for you? I remember Mark first asking me that and I was like, what, why are you talking? You know, <laughs> yeah, like, I was, like, I was freaking me like, out. Are you talking right I'm now? I'm like, what is like, what do you mean? What feels good? I have no, I like, I had no clue. And I'm almost embarrassed to say that, but not really because you know, shit happens. But it was like, wow, hold on. Like I can explore my own femininity, my own body, my own sexual desire in this really safe container and be met there. But so much healing happened for me in that space where I actually was you know, the self-worth, you know, we say like, yeah, love yourself, love your body. That's great. But, you know, there's the reality of that. You sometimes need to be met in that space with the same amount of love and adoration that you give yourself from somebody else, especially your romantic partner. And I remember one time Mark and I, in the very beginning, he said, every part of you deserves to be loved. And I literally went up in flames, Melissa. Like my whole body was like 180 <laughs> degrees because I was like, I was like burning happening? off all of this old stuff that wasn't, you know, that didn't feel good, but it was just like, wow, I'm really confronting every single limiting belief that I have right now about my body and about, you know, my ability to show up in this container. So it's really a powerful space to practice vulnerability of asking for what you need to, yeah. you know, so I use this analogy a lot in talks and stuff, which makes people uncomfortable. But I talk about how you can have someone going down on you and you can tell them what feels good. <laughs> I love how she's like, oh God, you're saying that. But you can tell them what feels good and you can build a customized cunnilingus machine that is amazing. Or you can have someone down there not knowing what the hell they're doing, their, their jaw's getting tired, their tongue's falling asleep, and they don't, you could literally just save them and save yourself and have an amazing experience if you just ask for what you need. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think that 
sex and intimacy piece is so important because it's such a magnifying glass to are you actually, do you have the value and self-worth and it comes from the asking. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. a it's a symbiotic relationship to say, this is what I need to feel loved or to feel intimate connection. Yeah. And you only feel worthy of it if you ask for it. We often place it like, if they give it to me, then I'm worthy of it. No, the asking is the access. Totally. And that's true of every area of our life. I just think in sex, that's we're so afraid to actually tell someone. And then we're like, and then they change what they're doing. And we're like, God damn it, they changed what they're doing. Now I got to start <laughs> over, you know? And it's, I just think that's a... A good analogy. I might be alone in this. No, <laughs> no, absolutely. I totally agree with you. And it's if we can be so vulnerable and authentic and honest in the bedroom with our beloved, where often I know for me, like when I first started speaking up and having that courage, I felt so scared. Like I was petrified. I was yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I was so scared. And beautiful to look back. You know, as you were talking, I was reflecting back on my relationship with my husband and it's like the amount that we've grown and evolved together and the the confidence that I have now yeah. and to ask for what I want. And, and we've done a lot of work on this within ourselves and within our partnership. And it's been really a beautiful evolution to watch because if you can do it in the bedroom, like if you can do it when it feels the most scary and the most vulnerable, like right. you'll be able to do it out outside the bedroom. And that's where we've got to practice. So I love that. Thank you for sharing all of that. And I talk a lot about understanding the masculine and feminine energies because we all have both masculine and both feminine men and women. We all have it. So how does this play out for you guys? Like Do you notice that? I know for Nick and I, if I'm in my masculine and he's in his masculine, we just butt heads. (laughs) And I'm curious to know is like, how does that play out for you guys in your relationship? Well, I probably think about this subject more than Kylie does. I think, is that fair? Potentially. Yeah. yeah, Let's see. Let's see. (laughs) Yeah. This is me and my feminine checking (laughs) to see if it's for sure when we've, it is natural for me as a previous recovering doormat to go into my feminine, not to say that women or the feminine is a doormat. It's in that I want to please and give and want, I, when I didn't feel like I had worth in just being chosen for who I, I was, I tried to keep, create value. And it is, it is, if I'm not conscious of that, it is natural for me to please. And when I'm in my masculine with Kylie, which I often you know, I can feel when she's sort of testing me to see if I'm strong enough to stay in my truth and give her the safety to be in hers. And when we first started dating, I really sensed she was very much guarded. She was in her masculine, you know, masculine office often has the walls. It has some penetrating energy, energy. And she would sort of like be in that wall. And when I would stand in my truth and I would just say like, this is what I'm choosing. And this is what I want. And I want you. And this is what's going on. And I'm not going to deviate from that. I remember she just, and I don't give, you know, what your experience was of that. But I felt like she just sort of like, it was just like this softening. Mm -hmm. And she just came towards me. And it was like, uh, what was your experience of that moment? It was in our kitchen. I remember it. <laughs> I was like, this is the story I want. And I want the story with you. And this is what's happening. And I'm not deviating from the story. I choose you. And she was like, yeah, like? I, I, for me, it was a softening. It was a surrender. It was like, wow, I'm actually, I'm safe 
to be in my feminine, to be in my more flowy, emotional, nurturing aspects of who I am instead of needing always to, you know, be moving forward towards creating and productivity, which was something I'm still working on today, actually, is this productivity narrative that I am only worthy when I'm productive and which obviously creates more of that masculine. But you know, masculine and feminine, at least for me in this experience, it, it has been such a dance with structure and then also flow. And really being able to be in tune with both of those energies within myself and see how they play out with Mark has been a, a fun dance. But there's, I don't, I don't know if when we're in our, both in our masculine that we, I don't know, what is your experience of that? I'm well, last night when we were having the discussion oh. where I said something wrong, Oh, <laughs> not in the right way. She went into her mask and I could feel it. And yeah. I said to her, I was like, you have a wall up right now. And she was like, no, I don't. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, no, you do. And what is it about? Why did it come out? Tell me. And that's when she sort of like the softened emotion came out. She's like, I'm just trying to be supportive. And, and I was like, and then I, I, because I took this more of a tender leadership role of like recognizing, you know, you, she could go back into her feminine. And that was it's like, it really is such a dance. And I can see when I have really good boundaries with her or about something that she knows was not, a, you know, and this is, this is, you know, I do things that aren't okay too. But when I can feel like there's something that, and she knows is wasn't okay, or it wasn't done fair or something. Yeah. When I call that out, I can see this trust. Yeah. That's like, Ooh. And I think you're really speaking to what that looks like for me internally is this, this dance between being able to stand firm in our boundaries and which is the structure, which potentially I'll, I'll name masculine for me in my experience, which allows the feminine and the flow to happen. Once there's structure, once it's no, once I know one, I can protect myself. I'm safe. And now I can flow. Now I can mm-hmm. move closer. There's safety, yeah. there's safety here. So. I think that's, you know, I talk about it in the archetypes of like, there's the child, the inner child who just wants to love and just wants to be open. And that could be seen as the feminine too. And then there's the warrior who must protect that openness, who must curate it. And that is a constant balance as as we were talking about before, like holding on to who you are and being in a relationship. And we, I had to learn that we've learned that together. Yeah. And that really also creates, you know, speaking to the sexual connection, the more I hold on to who I am and she holds on to who she is, the more connection we have, the more tension we have between us, that polarity, that masculine feminine polarity, that that space between me and her is where tension is. If If you see your partner as the reason you lose yourself, you will not want to have sex with them. Totally. Because you'll project Enmeshment. and blame them. <laughs> for you losing yourself when often we don't even have the language to hold on to ourselves. So when you are, when you look at your partner and you go, you're not making me happy. I'm like, well, what are you not doing to make yourself happy? Not in our relationship. But when I hear that from people where, you know, when there's no sexual desire, it's usually because we've squashed it by losing ourselves and falling into an enmeshed codependent pattern, you know, and it really is about creating that space again, which can really scare people in relationship to actually like need space, but be still in the relationship is really scary. It, mm-hmm. it sort of um, shakes the the system or shakes the foundation of the relationship. Mm, and Nick always says a good feminine is always going to challenge her masculine. Wow. He's always she's always going oh. to call him <laughs> to rise, call him to step into his masculine energy and to 
you know, own his, his masculine, his power. And I think that having that understanding has really helped my relationship, you know, knowing when I'm too in my masculine, when I'm achieving and, and striving and pushing and going. And, and then when I need to soften and come back into my flow and into my feminine and watch how that changes the dynamic in our relationship. It's Mm. having that awareness is really powerful because it's totally changed our marriage. And, Mm. you know, if you, if you are in your masculine as the feminine and, and you walk into the bedroom, like, how's that going to play out? You know, it's like, we really do need to step into that feminine. So I love that you guys have this awareness and this understanding, but I would love to hear now what are some of the books that have really helped you understand about this stuff that we've been speaking about in relationships? Like if you could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world, one one book, you can have one each. Okay. What are some books that have really helped you guys? Man, I really want to say two, but I'm going to say that my number one book for everyone to read, just to have a basic mm-hmm. understanding of their relational awareness, man, I, I really want to say Attached as okay. the first one. I think Love you might. Yeah. yeah. So for me, Attached, it just gives such a systematic ability for people to understand in a linear sort of organized way how they connect to other people. And, you know, that by Amir Levine, and I forget who the co-author is, but it's a fantastic book. And I think to build your relational awareness, it is absolutely foundational. Foundational. <laughs> and then the second one. Yeah, the second one is one of our friends, Dr. Alexander Solomon. She wrote Loving Bravely. Oh. It's 20 life lessons in, in the relationship classroom. And she is just brilliant on this topic. <laughs> She's so great. And She's brilliant, yeah. Yeah, and, and she really just unpacks it in a way that's one, funny, relatable, and you know, actionable. She's giving you tools, which I really, really think would be really, well, supportive for everyone. More tools, the better. <laughs> yeah, she, mm. the whole book has a way of walking you through your relational story yeah. so that you can understand your stuff and your partner. I mean, great for a couple to do totally. together and read attached for sure. Mandatory. Mm. I haven't read either of those, so I'll link to really? them in the show notes for everyone. Yeah, no, I've, I've not read them, so I am so excited to read them. So thank you for mentioning those. Now, I'd love to hear, how do you guys set yourselves up for the day? What does your morning routines look like? I love hearing about how people take responsibility for their health, their happiness. So what do you guys do individually to prime yourselves for the day and to make sure you're filling yourself up? Because we spoke about it before. We spoke that, you know, you've really got to make sure that you're taking responsibility for yourself. That's the first and foremost, one of the most important tips, tools, and tricks in a relationship. So what do you individually do? I start every day with a cacao ceremony. I know that sounds like it's such an influencer, like Instagram thing, but I really love my cacao. And I either do that inside or outside, depending on the weather. I live right across the street from the ocean. So in the summertime, I'll take my cacao over there with no technology and just sit there and be with myself and really get intentional about the day. And also a part of that morning routine, or at least within the day at some point, is either a long walk or a workout. Those are like mandatories for me, like every single day for me to just be able to check in and create some space to connect with myself so that I can show up. 
Yeah, if neither of us work out or do movement, there we get batty. You know, yeah. you can sort of tell. It's like oh, you need to go work out. It's like you know, it's, I can sense that in myself to move energy. So yeah, I'm similar. My morning is make coffee. I don't meditate every morning, but I do most mornings, or at least throughout at some point in the day. And my meditation is usually focused on working on something that I'm trying to expand or understand or grow. And and the other one is some form of movement, which I sort of move between like a full body hit sort of workout. And then I love boxing. For me, boxing as a, as a man, but I think as a human, is a great way to move like anger and frustration and energy that we're sort of afraid of because we see anger more as aggression. And so I love to move it because I get into my masculine and I'm really, I get to have a great time. And I'm, I move this really powerful energy, just like I think as a, as a man, and I don't want to speak for women because I'm not one, but as, as a man, it's like competition and movement and like sports and that stuff I need, like weights, really good for the hormones, you know, all that kind of stuff I love. Mm. And we spoke about before, you know, we're always growing and evolving so what is something that you're working on or would like to improve within yourself at the moment? So for me right now, one of my main focuses, because I like to break down, like my work came from a relational breakdown and I wanted to understand everything to do with romantic relationships. And then I was like, hey, other people probably want to learn this. So I started writing about them. And so for me, it's always about breaking down my relationship to different pillars of my life. So relationship to money was a big focus for a little bit and still is an area of development. My relationship to other people was a huge one, relationships at work, communication. And now I'm really focusing on my relationship to my body. My relationship to my mind is obviously intertwined in that, but I'm really like throughout my life, I've sort of played this cat and mouse game with fitness where I get lean and then I, I put on weight and then I get lean. And I really want to understand what is it about that I can't stay within that space. And so I'm on like a micro I'm really looking at that and I'm really learning about it and I'm reading and I'm, I really want to dive into that because I think our relationship to our body is something that is such an expression of a deeper relationship to ourselves and, and relationship to food, man, because it's part of it is my relationship to food. I, I love candy, you know, (laughs) and I, you know, I know that it's not great for me on a biological level. So I really want to understand what sugar is replacing for me. And so that's been a really now, we've had some great conversations together about that where I'm getting her feedback, where I don't always love her feedback, but I really, <laughs> it's great. You know that, do you remember what Melissa just said? The feminine loves to challenge the masculine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Permission sure to do that over here. Granted, oh, yeah. <laughs> Something that I've been really working on this year is really stepping into my full potential and my really permission slip to be seen in my career. And being able to stand on my own two feet from a financial perspective. So I've been working through the layers of (laughs) all of the narratives that are blocking me from feeling safe in the spotlight and from also owning my work and, you know, marketing myself and really stepping in and trusting that what I have to say, what I have to offer is of high value. And yeah, I'm pretty stoked to continue to on that journey and and give my gifts to the world. You're crushing that, babe. Thanks, babe. Beautiful. So sweet. All right. I've got three rapid fire questions for you. Are you guys ready? Yeah, we ready are. for it. Okay. Mark, you can answer first. What is one thing that we can do today for our health? Find silence. <laughs> A quiet mind is one that's been listened to. Mm. What's yours, babe? Oh, 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 sorry. You were you said my answer, but for health, journaling, 
just being able to express maybe what we haven't been able to express. Yeah, I love that. What is one of the most important things that we can do for more wealth? So more abundance in all areas of our life. Really be mindful of where you live from scarcity, you know, like, and that could be in, in the context of a relationship that's believing in the one is a very scarce mindset. You're, you'll hold on to everyone who is not afraid that they are, you know, and that, that, and in wealth, I mean, man, your gifts will produce so much wealth. I think that's, mm. you know, and I, I really look at where do you hold on to scarcity? Cause I mean, I've done it. <laughs> I definitely have held on to ideas of scarcity. And as soon as I open to abundance, it's like, man, you just trust it and it flows. And I didn't believe that before. <laughs> now I believe that because I've lived it. But when someone told me that before, I was like, mm, you should go do more yoga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, move towards what scares you in that mm. capacity of like, you know, all the limitations, they shift and they change when we act in alignment with what it is we truly desire. So if you want something that's more abundant, move towards what's going to give you that abundance. So celebrate the action, not the result. And, you know, move towards, fail fast if you're going to move forward. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, beautiful. And what is one of the most important things that we can do today for more love? Oh, you know, I think one of the most important things we can do is to actually get very real with who we are now and where we're at now and accept everything that's good and bad and maybe coded wrong, but everything that is an area of development and, a, and an area of real skill. And if we can actually get real with the truth, then we have solid foundation to stand on. And then we are loving ourselves and accepting ourselves as we are. And that can be a real painful moment. But I think as soon as you do that and you stand still and you just breathe in all that you are, there's just this moment of surrender and compassion that gives you an opportunity to stop running from who you are, stop running from your hurt and just be still. And then love will flow in because you're actually ready to receive it. You're, you're giving it to yourself really mm. through that. For me, coming back home to that inner child, being able to self-soothe mm. and self-regulate your own emotional states and examine and get curious about boundaries and what it is that you need in order to feel protected, but then also the exchange of being able to communicate what you discover is is the boundary and the self-worth that comes from being able to stand in your truth, protect your own inner child, and yeah, create more self-worth, which will ultimately, I think, create more love in your life. Mm, it is, yeah. Mm, absolutely. This has been so beautiful, guys. I have just absolutely loved hearing from you and learning from you, and I'm so grateful that there are examples of conscious relationships out there like you guys. It, I think we need a lot more. And so thank you for the work that you do and for sharing it with the world. But is there anything else that you want to share with us that maybe I haven't asked you or any last parting words of wisdom? Man. Reconnect to your anger. I know that's like, we, we could probably <laughs> do a boxing. solo episode on this alone, but I think that anger, the core emotion of anger, clean anger, not to be confused with aggression or rage, is what helps us safeguard our boundaries and to be able to show up and stand in our truth and our values and take up more space as women. And personally, I think that's really important work for all of us to stand in, in what we know to be true within and also share that with the world. And I think for men, I yeah. think one message I would love to give to men is that 
remove your self-worth from what you have and mm-hmm. what you provide. Uh, it doesn't mean that providing can't be a source of pride. It's that we really have to reconnect to our hearts and our emotions. We have been curated and cultured out of them and to rejoin your heart and to then, because our partners can't feel us, you know, I'm speaking heteronormatively, but even in same-sex relationships and when we're in our masculine, our partner can't feel us and they will test us to see if we will just open. And that work is so ours. That's such a beautiful invitation from, from our partners, from people. That's the best work we can do as men is find your value and how you are as a man and your integrity in, mm. in your, and, and emotion is such the, the currency of the future. That for me has been, I'm very blessed to have a father who has a high level of emotional intelligence and that's a lucky thing. And I think as men, we, we need to rise and connect because we're going to get left behind from women and then they're going to figure out how to have kids without us. And then we're screwed. <laughs> we often get labeled as evil or aggressive or rapists and all this narration that's going on in the world. There's so many good men and I just, I want that to be, you know, sort of noted, but that it is our work to do. Women yeah. can't save us. We have to take care of ourselves and then help the world. Mm. We all need to take responsibility mm. and look after ourselves. That's exactly right. Well, this has been so beautiful and I've taken so many little nuggets away from this. But one last question. I am a massive believer in service and being of service and you guys do so much to serve others. So what can I personally do and the listeners do to serve you today? How can we serve you guys? Mm, you're forcing us to receive. I like this it's move. Good. Pushing me in my- <laughs> Man, that's a great question. Yeah. I'm vulnerable and uncomfortable here. Yeah. Well, f- first, I mean, thank you so much, Melissa, for yeah. for offering us this space and time and energy to share our some of our wisdom and learning with your audience. To be of service, I, I truly believe that for me, it's, you know, if you want to join the, I have a, a company, Zura Health, that I co-founded with my twin sister, which is a 16-week program to help individuals, women and men, come back home to themselves, their emotions, their values, their boundaries, their health. So, I mean, really to be of service of my mission in the world is, you know, goes back to what we've been talking about this whole time is take responsibility. And if what I have to say lands and resonates, I'd love to, I'd love to see you on the platform or yeah, anywhere. Oh yeah. Their program is like a 16 week (laughs) like education that we all have needed. And I think for me, it would be that, you know, I fully recognize because I know it's true for me that I'm definitely not everybody's teacher. But what I think is if, if anyone could do anything of service for me, it would be to take responsibility for their emotional life and their relational life. Mm-hmm. And to find someone that you resonate with, whether it's me or not, it doesn't matter. It's that find someone who is living in the way you would like to live. And that will be the fastest way that you can learn how to produce and create what they have. And, and to share that knowledge then with the world. Because if there's one thing we can do is find really beautiful information that is our teacher. And then I think we then become the teachers we needed. There's so many former versions of me and continue to be former versions of me that I share because I believe I needed it when I was 21, 22, 23, and so on. I am 40 now, so I got a lot of former versions of me. Oh, guys, I love you too so much. This has been so beautiful, and I just want to say thank you again so much for 
all the work that you're doing in the world and for all of the wisdom and knowledge that you guys shared today. We could speak for hours and hours and there was so much goodness in that episode. But from the bottom of my heart, I just want to thank you for being the example and for getting out there and doing the work and sharing so openly and honestly and doing the work on yourselves and doing the work on your relationships. So thank you guys for being the example. Mm, It's really an honor and we love you too. Yeah, Thank thank you so much for having us. Such an honor to see your name in our inbox. We're like, oh my God, what? (laughs) (laughs) I love her work. Amazing. Yeah, we're really blessed and, and very grateful to have this opportunity and to be part of your platform. Oh, thank you guys. Oh, I loved that episode and I got so much out of it. So many nuggets of wisdom that I'm going to implement into my life. And if you loved it too, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app, because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And don't forget to come and join the private MA Tribe Facebook group where you can share insights from this episode, plus tell me who else you want me to get on the show. It's also a very sacred space where we can share and come together and chat all things Mastering Your Main Girl and Open Wide, along with anything else that you feel called to contribute to the open and honest conversation. You will also get some extra love and support personally from me that I won't be offering anywhere else. And one thing I get asked a lot is, where can I find my tribe or where can I find like-minded people? This is it. So head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash tribe to join now. And for everything that we mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that is over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 179. And you can also listen to all my other episodes there too. And another thing I wanted to mention before I go is that if you haven't got my latest book, Open Wide, A Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking Relationships, and Soulful Sex, all you have to do is head to melissarambrosini.com forward slash open wide to get your copy now. And you will also get access to my free open wide video masterclass that Nick and I created just for you. And if you want to be the review of the week for next week, make sure you head on over to iTunes and leave that review right now. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best and happiest and shiniest version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode. Please be an angel and share it with them right now. Share the love. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.